chapter 55, Vivestiani is the Kachiani is Fratum, continued. <coughs> Later on, 
the common dormitory came to be divided at first by hangings or curtains and then later by uh, partitions uh, with a curtain across the front uh, and then uh, in the reform congregations uh, after the Council of Trent with private cells that had in the door of each cell um, a little circular uh, opening covered by a movable uh, piece of wood uh, and this to uh, at least nod to uh, the requirement that all ought to sleep in one place. And as I told you before, when I began my monastic life, the cells still had this opening in the door. And the uh, Father uh, Zelateur would, uh, during the times of Lexio Divina and study, uh, go through the novitiate and very quietly uh, slip aside a little piece of wood and peer into the cell to see if the brother inside was at his study or at his Lexio Divina. This brings us to something else, uh, love of the cell. Love of the cell. Uh, this is certainly a uh, characteristic of the reformed expressions of Benedictine life, uh, that each monk should not only have his cell, but come to love it as a place of prayer, as a cloister within the cloister. Uh, for this reason, uh, your brother's cell must be kept unencumbered, clean, bright. Uh, it's, it's helpful uh, to have, uh, as, as it says in our declarations and statutes, um, images of artistic merit, um, things of, of, of real beauty, uh, and the cell should be so arranged that a brother wants to stay in the cell, that he comes to love it, uh, not only for studying and reading, but also for personal prayer. Uh, for this reason, I saw to it that holy water stooks were placed in all the cells and I ask you to take holy water in entering and leaving the cell and also it's a very good practice to say a prayer to the Blessed Virgin on entering and leaving the cell. Each cell is to have a worthy image of the Mother of God and we, like St. John, the beloved disciple, are called to take Our Lady into all that is ours. In Sua, says the fourth gospel, we are to live in the company, in the sweet company of Mary. The fragrance of Our Lady's purity ought to fill the cell. place great emphasis on this living in the company of Mary. When Our Lady appeared at Knock in, in ten days' time, we shall have the feast of Our Lady at Knock. 
Rose, who appeared there with the two men who most intimately shared her life. In the first part of her life, uh, St. Joseph, her most chaste spouse, living in the company of Mary, sharing all that was his with her. And in the second part of her life, St. John, uh, the beloved disciple of the Lord, lived with Mary, in the company of Mary. And in St. Joseph and St. John, we have a model of uh, this life with Mary uh, that I desire for each one of you to live with Mary. In fact, uh, some of the passages from the wisdom books that we read in the Divine Office of the Holy Mass, the Feasts of Our Lady, um, speak of making one's home with wisdom. And the liturgical use of the text suggests that by that we are to understand that it is a, a good thing, a thing desirable to make one's home with Mary. And I apply this in a special way to the cell. I often address the question of good order and cleanliness in the cell, and I return to it. And that cleanliness always be the concern of the monk, because a cell that is not tidy um, becomes disagreeable. Uh, one looks for a reason to get out of it. No one likes to stay in an untidy cell. And very often when monks begin to let the cell go, that's indicative of some kind of inner disorder. And that's the first sign very often, is the disorder in the cell indicates that there's something not quite right going on inside. And then a man loses his desire for solitude and silence in the cell and begins to look for distractions. And that's the beginning of a downward spiral. Cultivate the love of the cell. It's a great mistake when monks say, well, that's all right for Carthusians or Kamaldives. No, the love of the cell is uh, an integral part of our Benedictine life. And uh, a monk, as he uh, deepens his interior life, will be drawn to the solitude and silence of the cell, to the cloister within the cloister, to that desert space in which he can hear the word of God resonance. We also have the scriptorium, which is a place for listening to the Word of God, for uh, reading the Word of God. The scriptorium, too, is a place for um, divine conversation. So we have the scriptorium and we have the cell. Um, St. Benedict says that the beds must be frequently inspected by the abbot to see if any private property be discovered therein. It's a very 
primitive instinct to hide things in one's bed, uh, under one's mattress or under one's pillow. Uh, and uh, one has to be careful not to accumulate things in one's cell. This is very easy because There's so much in the way of, of printed matter, and so much in the way of, well, this, this may be useful one day, this may be useful another day. Um, here, we do not have the, the um, cellular storeroom. In a well-ordered, established abbey, the Father Cellar has a storeroom of generous proportions, with shelves and uh, boxes in which things are uh, stored uh, and these boxes are labeled and um, until uh, we have that storeroom uh, be careful not to store things up especially shows in the deal uh, in, in the cell um, St. Benedict again speaks of the vice the vice of private wants it to be cut off radically. So this is strong language when he uses the word vice in reference to this tendency to squirrel things away. You know what it is to squirrel things away. that it sees that as a vice. The remedy is that the abbot should supply the brethren with all things necessary. And he gives us an inventory of the things that he, in his day, judges necessary. Cowl, tunic, shoes, stockings, girdle, knife, pen, needle, handkerchief, and tablets. It's an extraordinary list of things deemed necessary so that all plea of wanting may be taken away. Uh, disorder has come into many monasteries because the monks uh, are uh, in want of necessary things. And then monks become very ingenious. They make contact with people on the outside, generally pious women of a certain age, and arrange for things to be uh, secreted to the monastery and, and given to them. And uh, uh, this, is, this is a great danger, not only because it creates relationships of dependency uh, with people on the outside. Being mindful of the words of the Acts of the Apostles, distribution was made to everyone according as he had need. Um, this is not the system by which a pie is cut up into equal pieces. Rather, the abbot distributes according to need, which means the abbot has to have, uh, has to know his sons and know what their needs are. And in this regard, um, it's necessary that the brethren uh, reveal their needs to the abbot and not expect the abbot to uh, somehow have come to knowledge of what, what, what is needed. Uh, the, the 
brother has to go and say, uh, I, I would need this thing or this other thing. And do it with great simplicity. Great simplicity. Not weighing, well, how shall I say it? And what shall I say? And when shall I ask? No. Simply, uh, when, you, when you're in need of something, come and tell me. And St. Benedict says, Let the abbot therefore uh, et abbas consideret infirmitatem indigentium. This is, this is again one of these, these expressions uh, that, that shines on the pages of the Holy Rule. Et abbas consideret infirmitatem indigentium. And not the ill will of the envious. The abbot is always to have at heart the infirmity of brethren in need. And he should not be stopped in looking after um, the infirmity of needy brethren by the uh, reflections or criticisms of other brethren. Why, why is brother so-and-so? Why is he given this, this thing and this other thing and uh, more sleep and, and so forth? No. The abbot is bound to consider infirmitatem indigentium. And in all these things, the abbot is to think of the retribution of God. Um, that is, how does God, in his justice, make distribution? 